The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the markers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. And today we're going to hear about Conor McGregor's triumph in the mobile gaming through customer research. I don't know about you guys, but I finally watched that Netflix series on Conor McGregor and it's been fascinating. The guy's built a massive brand. He's in a ton of brands right now. I've actually seen a sneak peek of a couple of them. So I was super excited to have Justin Chin on today, who's the co-founder at Pick. Foo, which makes enterprise-grade customer research available to anyone. Entrepreneurs can rapidly crowdsource feedback on all aspects of their business from branding and logos to ad creatives and marketing copy. So double double reason why we want to have Justin. I know as marketers, we always want customizable research. We want feedback on things. So we're going to dig in on that. And then we've got Conor McGregor and a really cool story on how he got into mobile gaming. All right. So today, Justin, how Conor McGregor used customer research to win in mobile gaming, which is a super crowded space. So here's my conversation with Justin Chin, the co-founder at PickFu. What's up, bro? Hey, Scott. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Dude, so many things to dive into, but talk to us about Conor McGregor and this mobile gaming space. I've worked it for WinBet in the past. I've worked for BetMGM in the past. It is a crazy space, very competitive. So tell us how Conor McGregor was able to leverage his brand and what you guys do with research in this mobile gaming space. Yeah. So I guess taking a step back, we're a self-service research tool. So we help a lot of game companies get feedback on their creatives. And so one of our customers was this company called Beat Lab, and they're a Latvian-based gaming studio. And they actually partnered with Conor McGregor to launch this mobile strategy game. And so one of the biggest issues with a lot of games is that they just, they fail on launch, right? They launch, they think it's going to be great, but then they don't get the downloads, like the marketing doesn't hit, maybe the app icons aren't attractive enough. And so Beat really wanted to make sure that the creatives were going to resonate. And so before they, they launched in November, 2020, I believe. And so they wanted to optimize a lot of these creatives before their launch. And that's what they used PickFu for. And when you say mobile gaming, what do you mean? Like what part of mobile gaming are they in? Because I'm still not clear. Phone games, right? Okay. When you're looking for an iOS game or in the Google Play Store and you're looking for some kind of strategy,
strategy game or maybe some kind of like fighting adventure game like a lot of what people decide on sure like you may be drawn to conor mcgregor but you might just be looking for like i'm just looking for a new fun game and you're kind of browsing through the search listings or the top of the top rankings and all that kind of stuff and so a lot of so downloads like the zanga are, like in the zanga space i had some exactly yeah yeah like the puzzle games or like cut the fruit or any of these kind of like casual games so that's the mobile gaming space like conor mcgregor about. and you're like what conor mcgregor ads would resonate in the mobile space to get people to download the games yeah so definitely he's bringing a lot of brand recognition to the mobile game and that's why we part partnered with them but it still takes a little bit more than that right like the game actually needs to look appealing and so what b was doing was actually testing a lot of the other even other characters and also how the app icon looks before they even went to launch. So a lot of people would say, just go to market and optimize based on a buy. What's the difference yeah. between doing that or somebody like going to your research and your platform or some of the bigger syndicates where you're testing creative on a massive scale? I've seen some of the price tag for those. Like most of the time, unless you're launching like a national campaign or at least a, a traditional campaign with top line awareness budgets of like 10 million and up, it doesn't really make sense. So help us understand that maybe the different buckets of testing research for creative as marketers in, in your opinion? Yeah. So I, I think it comes down to minimizing the risk at launch. And so before we had Beatroot, we actually had a machine zone, which is also a huge mobile game publisher. And they were actually coming to us because they were soft launching. Uh, what a lot of mobile game companies do is they'll soft launch in a different country because they, they want to make a strong US splash. So maybe it'd be the Philippines or Canada or something like that. And they were soft launching and they were finding that the metrics in the app store weren't hitting. They weren't getting the clicks of the downloads that they thought they would. And so they would actually come to PickFu and actually test the app icons and test the app store screenshots, all these things that are kind of affecting whether people download it. And then they were optimizing and then seeing better performance. And then they would go back to the US launch. What B was trying to do was trying to prevent this kind of failed launch from the very beginning. In total, they only spent $2,500 on our platform and some time from their design studio, from their designers iterating on a couple of these tests. And it only took a couple of days. So the return on investment of de-risking the launch was actually quite minimal, especially since they're doing all these big marketing campaigns and all this kind of stuff. That's badass. I'm more familiar with US D2C strategy. Yep. And let's name the big ones, Facebook and Instagram, and you're spending yep. and optimizing there. You could talk about Google search as well. And that's probably yep. a different optimization strategy, but maybe what marketers should consider is going to somebody like your platform and spending two to five grand and nailing yep. it down and then just hitting launch with like full speed rather than ramping up to launch within D2C buying. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, so the way you can look at our platform is it's kind of like a private sandbox for testing out creatives and especially if you want to test out different directions and so for example maybe you want to test different characters on your on the app icon to see what it's going to resonate with well you wouldn't want to be like live testing all kinds of things like that because you're going to confuse your actual consumers you're obviously going to spend more like and actually lose out because one of those is going to be losing so what we recommend people do is pre-test these creatives on a platform like pickfu not only are you going to get the quantitative information about what people like but all of our respondents have to give written explanations why and so they actually say you know in the case of the uh, the conor mcgregor game they were testing out different characters and different colors of the app icon and so people would actually say like oh i don't like the blue or i don't like the yellow and actually give that uh, qualitative information so then the designer can just sit down and be like cool i'm going to make a tweak and i'm going to run another test and it's going to be done in an hour and it's super fast so you can just sit, keep iterating and you wouldn't be able to do that if you're live testing on like on facebook or google and you're not getting written feedback and you're not able to make these changes as quickly. What do you think some of the insights that you've learned over the years in this space that most 
brand creatives are missing in terms of ad creative rollout. I'd be curious, do you think a lot of it is more on the lower funnel conversion side, or do you think there's other insights you have more on the top top awareness brand side? Is, or are you seeing consumer feedback pretty similar? Is there like common things that maybe you see that people are putting in ad creative and executions that you unanimously aren't working? And I don't know, I'd just be curious what some insights that have maybe surprised you, what are you seeing where people are doing things wrong? Maybe walk us through some consumer insights that you've learned over the years in this space? Yeah, I think what's always interesting is the feedback we hear from our customers is that the option that they thought was going to win never wins. So that's always a funny one. I think being more clear is generally what people are missing. I think people tend to be too creative, which I don't want to knock to creatives, but a lot of times like things just look too creative and are mm -hmm. just creative for the sake of being creative. What consumers are looking for is just, they're trying to understand what you're trying to say or what you're trying to sell. We see this all the time. We have a lot of good customers who sell on Amazon and they're actually testing their main images on their listings. And a lot of times we'll see their designers come back with like very creative layouts of like, oh, I fanned out all the products or something like that. Looks really nice. But when compared against one that actually just lays it all out so that you could see what you're getting, which is not as interesting looking, but performs way better. And so I think the same is with any kind of digital ad. If, sure, it may be very eye-catching, but if if the customer doesn't understand what are you even trying to tell me? What are you trying to sell me? That's what usually what's missing out. Yeah, I see this a lot with certainly D to C brands, especially in like Instagram. The shittiest images typically sell the best. Mm -hmm. Like the lifestyle shot you had that you thought was just so badass. And it's now here's this boring product shot. With but it shows it and it probably shows it really well or maybe explains what it does. And that's what matters, right? And yeah. th this amazing stylized photo shoot that you did, like maybe doesn't resonate. Do you think celebrity matters? Like in the case of Conor McGregor, do you think that added a lot? I think it does. Definitely from the marketing campaign, it gets the attention, especially in mobile gaming. It's such a crowded space yeah. for every single one of these categories. And so just getting the publicity of having Conor McGregor, like it's going to drive the, those initial downloads. It's still up to the game to perform well. The app store ratings need to need to follow and you want retention there. Otherwise, the downloads are going to continue. But I think for getting it off the ground, it's probably going to save a lot in PPC. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if you're launching a new game without that kind of star power, you're going to have to spend even more unpaid. So mm -hmm. you're kind of going to pay for it anyways, right? You're yeah. going to either pay for it in star power or you're going to pay for it in PPC. What can D2C brands learn from the mobile gaming space? Just being data-driven. I know a lot of them are getting more data-driven mm -hmm. now, but mobile gaming's always been traditionally extremely metrics-driven. If you <laughs> follow any of the Zynga stuff, like everything is metrics-driven from the clicks to like the performance in the actual games and how much data they collect. Yeah, and I remember having Zynga on the show pretty early when we started the show. And one insight I had from them that I thought was pretty cool was was just the type of ad creative in, in mobile gaming space. It was somebody in their ad units, I think, for Zynga. And they were definitely pushing mobile advertising that was, I think, undervalued by brands. And then brands that did it, they were putting more traditional creative in a mobile gaming space rather than like building out mobile games that would attract gamers. And the other thing was that just gamers aren't gamers that we think. Yeah. And I said this, I think at a, a brand week, I think in New York, I talked about this and people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. We think of gamers as like 14 year olds yeah. playing whatever, playing Minecraft or something, but it's 45 year old moms on a 
Southwest airline flight, yep. farm bill or whatever. And so the audience is more broad than we think, but I'd be curious your perspective. Is there, are those insights correct? Is there anything maybe you'd, you'd like to add to that? Or maybe is there, are we still going to see more of a boom in the mobile gaming or just gaming space in general? It just seems like everything is about gaming right now. Yeah. And that's an audience that is so much more broad than we think. Yeah. hundred percent. What you said, gamers for our mobile gaming customers, they don't even consider like gamers anymore, right? Like everyone is a gamer. Everyone's a casual gamer. Like you're yeah. wasting time in a supermarket line. You're playing something. Yeah. Uh, you may not think it's a game, even Duolingo or something like that could be considered it's gamified, right? Like it draws you in. And even Netflix is trying to get into gaming because it's attention that people are trying to chase. And either you're watching something or you're playing something, right? It's whatever engages you. So 100% like gaming is going to continue to grow. There's a lot of crossover with D2C e-commerce brands and retail brands and gaming as well. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. Not only just the Conor McGregor's as celebrities, but I think you're going to see a lot of product crossover. And the other takeaway also to that gaming point is that uh, another mistake we see our retail like D2C customers making is that they sometimes too narrowly think about their audience. And so we allow targeting on our platform and sometimes they narrow in way too much, right? Like they think only guys like 18 to 24 are going to buy this of a certain persona because that's who they built it for. But you don't know nowadays, right? Everyone could be buying your products. Everyone could find a different use for it. And so just broadening your horizon around who your potential customer can be is something that I think all brands need to think about. Damn, that's such a good point. I didn't really think about that. That might be very archaic way of thinking of things. And I just thought about it now. It should be completely interest-based, not age-based anymore. Yeah. Um, that's like super old school, but like that's how you buy traditional media. It's like I'm buying women 1849 yeah. or I'm buying men 1834. And that is a really good point. We just worked on a launch with Lil Wayne for Street Fighter Six, And Lil Wayne loves Street Fighter Six, So he was like the perfect guy to launch this with us. In fact, I think I'm going to have our creative director on to talk about this campaign or maybe somebody from on the client side. But man, from Capcom, Lil Wayne's old, okay? And Street Fighter yeah. Six is going to be launching to a younger demo, but he works for a younger demo and he likes the game. And so this age-based thing, like that's such a freaking good insight. Like maybe we should just completely get rid of age-based targeting. It should be completely age-based targeting, especially as more and more digital platforms exist. Maybe if you're doing your traditional media buy, maybe you have to give somebody a number and see how efficient you are in certain demos. But damn, that's a great point. To that last point, I think you're 100% right. And that's why uh, we have a lot of interest-based targeting on our platform as well. So like instead of just demo, like you were saying, are you a cat owner? Do you drink tea? Mm -hmm. Do you work out? Like these are the things that define people now, right? It's their activities and not so much their like, what they're born with or like what their current state of their age or whatever it is. So I think that's definitely a trend. And then like beyond that, though, you also have to think about who the buying persona is. And I don't think enough sellers think about that as well, right? It is for someone who owns a cat. It doesn't mean the person who's buying it has a cat. And so you need to make sure that your language and like your creatives resonate as well. Like maybe it's a Father's Day gift and it's the kids or the wife is buying it, something like that, right? So just, it's not rocket science, but something you got to to keep in mind as you're marketing to people. I love it. All right, here's what we're gonna do. All right, we're gonna wrap it up here. Man, big thanks to Justin Chin, co-founder at Foo for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Justin and I are going to discuss Thrasio's consumer research-led product designs. If you can't wait till the next episode and you wanna learn more about Justin, as always, we're gonna put his LinkedIn profile on our show notes. You can find him on Twitter at 2BitJustin or the company <laughs> website, probably more importantly, at pickfoo.com and that's P-I-C-K-F-U.com. Another note I want to tell you about, if you didn't have a chance to take notes, again, we'll have it at our website, rebrandpod.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. 
I mean, you can find me probably more than at rebrand pod. And it's just at Scott Harkey on Instagram, Facebook, wherever else, TikTok on there. And I'm producing content. We're trying to build up the show where we continue to do really well. Again, I just got a note. We were top 21 in business podcasts last week. So pretty happy about that. Alex Ramosi, I love you, man, but we were too ahead of you. Probably a fluke for this week, but we'll take it. And just that's a big thanks to the audience that has been following us, the marketing audience. I really don't think I'm that good, but we are having really interesting guests on and we are just no bullshit. Let's talk about marketing. Let's get better every day. So I'm glad that's at least somewhat resonating. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe, we've got over 5,000 marketers that subscribe every day to this podcast. It'll show up every day. There's a lot that I love to subscribe to. So that's probably the easiest. That's my biggest metric is what kind of community are we building the subscribers? So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for today. Remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. All right.